I guess growing up in church and being a church uh, leader, pastor for many years, one of the things that I believe is important is for us to remember things. And as we look at the uh, scripture over the next several weeks, we're going to remember the arrival, the birth of Jesus Christ, the one who came to save people from their sin, the one who came to redeem, to restore, to bring back what was once lost. And, and, and I believe that's important. And, and when I was praying just a few moments ago, I prayed about distractions. We all have them, don't we? We have so many things on our mind, so many things we think about, so many things we wish we didn't think about. And yet then we have the Christmas season that, and all the pressures that come with that. Maybe they're good pressures. Maybe they're not so good pressures. Maybe it's how am I going to buy things or uh, I'm going to have to deal with so-and-so relative. Uh, you know what I mean? So like these are the kind of other distractions that we can get so focused on. And then we, we read the statistics of how much money is spent in this season and things like that and feeling that we have to compete with others and maybe that's not you but I'm just saying these are things that can distract us from really what I believe is again it's very cliche but it's so true the true meaning of this season because if you think about it Jesus really wasn't born on December 25th if you didn't know that well I'm sorry to burst your bubble but because of shepherds and so on and so forth he was probably born I believe between May and October and so, so anyway, that's just a free one, but we're going to keep moving on. And our series for the next couple of weeks here in December is called Above the Noise. See, our distractions can become noise. You, you, remember, you remember the old school TVs when it went like, there was literally a time when you had television that played the national anthem at the end of the night, and then it went, <sighs> you remember that? And that's how sometimes distractions can be for us. It's almost like that noise that just keeps ringing in our ears that keeps us away from that true meaning of our relationship with God. But the truth is, is that we don't have to be so busy in our thinking. Remember, we did that. We did eight weeks on the war within, the battle for your mind. And that's where I'm not trying to go. But what I'm trying to get at is that there are, there are even tangible distractions in our lives that will keep us away from really investing in what matters most. And so my, my prayer has been over the next several weeks together as leads into Christmas Eve is this, is that we really just want to take some time together because this is the time, right? We have an hour to an hour and a half a week together, but just to quiet our hearts and to remember this baby that was born. And, and, and I'm not just saying this baby, the baby that was born. The one who left glory, who was birthed really in a cave, not so much a stable, but a cave with animals and filth. And he was humble beginnings. And that's what we want to we rest our, our hearts and our minds and our souls on over the next several weeks together. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at Psalms. And you're thinking, what does Psalms have to do with Christmas? What does it have to do with the arrival of Jesus? Well, if you think about it, through who we're going to be looking at is a man by the name of David. David was the king of Israel. And through David's lineage, Jesus comes. And so we want to look at how that plays out. But we also want to, I want to give you a foreshadowing of what we're going to be looking at in the new year. We're going to be looking at the life of King David in First and Second Samuel. And so this kind of all ties together. But that's just something that I wanted to get you to, to just kind of wrap your minds around. But really, we're going to look at Psalm 143 for the next two weeks. Then we're going to look at Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at the story of Zechariah the prophet. And then on Christmas Eve, we're going to look at uh, Mary's song that she sings 
Um, and so that's exciting. And, and so I want to begin by reading from Psalm 4610. You may be familiar with it, but it says this, be still and know that I am God. If there's anything you walk away with from today is this, be still and know who God is. And if you don't know who God is, then let's have that conversation about who the real, true living God is. Because God continues to say in verse 10, he says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So God's already saying, I'm going to rule and reign. But I just want for you to just to be still for a moment and know who I am. And so as we begin this afternoon, if, if you're familiar with the, the play Julius Caesar, there was a character in Julius Caesar named Mark Antony. And where he says, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. And uh, that, was a, that was a pretty interesting statement that Mark Ant- Antony made at that time. And, and I thought, wow, that'll be a cool message title. So guess what we did? That's the title for today is Lend Me Your Ears. Why? Because what we're going to see here in verses 1 through 6 of Psalm 143 is David calling out to God. And maybe for some of us, we don't think that God even listens to what we have to say. We may think that he's distant. We may think he's absent, but he will lend his ear to those who call out to him. And I know that to be true, and you probably know that to be true as well. But a lot of times we will stay quiet. And when we stay quiet, we get distracted. And what I mean by not stilling quiet, I mean like you don't say anything to God. And then when you don't say anything to him, you take things on yourself. And then you're wondering why you're in the places and positions that you're at. And so that's what I mean by when we don't say anything, we stay distracted. But here's, here's the hope that we can know today is that if we're going to live above the noise, we have to believe that God will make time for us. One, two, we just need to slow down. Do you ever hear that statement? Busyness is the new laziness. We're, this, is, this was a term that I picked up when I was in youth ministry, that students were so busy. Parents had them in multiple activities. They were in band. They were in sports. They were doing this, that, and a third. And it was like, my kid doesn't have time for youth group. Really? Anyway, I'll get off that soapbox, and we're going to move on. But what I want to share here in Psalm 143, because we can get that way is what I'm trying to say. It's not just a teenage thing. It's all of us. We can get so busy that we miss out. Even, even we can get so busy doing things for God that we miss out on God and what he has for us. So in this psalm here, in Psalm 143, this is considered what is called a confessional psalm. There are several confessional psalms in the book of Psalms, but specific to Psalm 143, what David is doing, again, is requesting that God would come through on the covenant promise that he made to him. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. So if you have a Bible, let's turn to Psalm 143, or if you have it on your device, there are Bibles in, uh, on the chairs. And literally, if you just take your thumbs in the center and open it, you typically hit Psalm. And Psalm 143, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6. Psalm 143, 1 through 6, beginning in verse 1, it says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old, and I meditate on all that you have done. 
I ponder the work of your hands and I stretch out my hands to you and my soul thirsts for you like a parched land, Selah. Now, as we begin here, this text, I want to tell you what a covenant agreement was in the ancient Near East. It was two parties that had a verbal agreement. And in that verbal agreement, what would happen, because you would see it throughout the Old Testament, but the one party would say, okay, I will do this for you, and then this is what you will do in return. So they agreed to that. So when it comes to God and his people, and specifically here with David, is that God would love and help his people. That was his end of the covenant agreement. And the people's was to love him and obey him. Now, there was a lot more to it. And there was, in the ancient Near East, they would literally have ceremonies and where they would cut animals in half and lay them over like an, an overhang. And the, the parties would walk through and they would have a blood covenant. Are you with me? Okay. So, so my point is, is that this is what a covenant in the ancient Near East was. There was, and there was different parts to it. And I, and I don't want to get into all those things, but I'd love to share with you sometime. Uh, there's a book called the Epic of Eden that gives detail of how covenants in the ancient Near East played out. And then you can see that in scripture. If you want to want to know of a covenant that God made with his people, read Exodus 20. That'll lay it all out. And so, so here in Psalm 143, in verse 1, David is saying this, God, would you just listen to me? I, I want for you to lend me your ear. I'm asking you for mercy, God. You're a holy God. You're a righteous God. I know that you're faithful. I know that you're righteous. I know that you will answer. But also, David knows in verse 2 that he does not, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he can't be in right standing with God because he's sinful. And because he's sinful, God is righteous. What do I mean by that? God is good. God is good in everything he does. And so when we are made righteous through Christ, we are made right with God vertically, and we live right horizontally. And so David is saying this, listen, you are good in all you do, and you are good. That's who you are, God. In Romans 3.20, it says, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. I thought that verse was so powerful because what Paul is telling us here is that there's nothing that you can do to make yourself right with God. Even if you tried to do one thing right in what scripture said, there would still be probably 10 other things that you got wrong. But what does he say? Is that since through the law comes what? Knowledge of sin. That's important for us to understand because the law of God is like a mirror to us. It shows us our sin. But it also not only just shows us our sin, it helps us to know how to make ourselves right with God. And so we have here, once again, the holy God, sinful man tension. Humankind being sinful, God being holy. So what does David do? David prays that God would remove his sin and that he would be pardoned from it. It's almost as if, you know, we got a ticket speeding coming here. Now, if I got a ticket speeding coming here, that'd be pretty bad. Only being a block away. But, but here's what we need to understand is that we were asking the courts, the judge to say, will you pardon me from this? Please, will you not give me any points on my license? I know what I've done wrong. This is what David is saying to the Lord. And he's saying, God, your covenant relationship with me. I'm depending on your forgiveness. This is important. Why is it important? Because if you and I have an attitude towards a holy God, like, I don't sin. I'm not a sinner. Well, then why don't we do this? Why don't we put our lives up on a big screen here today to see how we live our lives? 
like I wouldn't want my stuff up there. I don't know if you would, but I'm just saying, this is what the tension is. But the tension is really being broken because David recognizes where his standing is. He recognizes that God is, is so good. He also knows that, that he knows that God will shrug off sin. This is important because in verses three and four, what David begins to talk about, he begins to talk about enemies. Now it says, it says, my enemies pursue my soul. And you have to understand that David as a king, he had real tangible enemies. His enemies had brought him to a place of almost a, a, a breakdown, almost of anxiety, almost like panic attacks. David was a mess. It said it, it, it got to him so deep in his soul. David was shook. He was shook both physically and spiritually and mentally. He was a broke man. And, and he talks about this place called Shaul. And what that really was is, is that Jews believed that when you went to Shaul, you when you died, you went there. It, it was a place of utter darkness. So this is where David's feeling. Like anywhere he turned, it was pitch black. There was no light. David's spirit is fading in him. And Jews also believed that you thought with your heart. So what do I mean by that? Is that our spirit is the part of us that will continue to live when our bodies die. And through Christ... This, this child that came into the world and through us believing by faith, God regenerated our spirits and gave us new life so that we can celebrate him forever. That's important because listen, listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 88, three and four. It says, my life is full of troubles and I'm nearly dead. They think I am on the way to my grave like a man with no strength. Listen, the truth is we will all face stuff. We will all have difficulties. We will all have troubles. We will all, sometimes we will feel like we are in utter darkness at all times. There is no light at the end. And there's gonna be moments when we are shook, when we are physically and we are spiritually spent. And so for you and I, when it comes to even this time of year, what do you dread most? This time of year, what do you struggle with most? Where are the dark spaces in your life? And what do you most avoid? Those are important questions for us to ask because here's what we can see in our notes is this, is that God is always ready to listen. God is always ready to listen. But those are the things that we have to face here in this world that we live in that's, that's broken. But we've been redeemed. And so God is always ready to listen. Psalm 140, verse six says, I say to the Lord, you are my God. Give ear to the voices of my pleas for mercy, O Lord. Here's what I wanna say. Don't buy the lie that says, well, because I got sin, I can't pray. Because if you have the attitude that I got sin, I can't pray, you'll never go to prayer. You will never go to the Lord. You will never call out to him in your darkest times. You'll never call out to him when the things that you are done avoiding, when you just want to see a little bit of hope and a little bit of light, and you'll continue to avoid that. Don't buy that lie. God's saying, call out to me. I know you're a mess. I love you anyway. I know you're going to do it again, but I love you anyway. So go to him, call out to him. Say, God, lend me your ear and know that your heavenly father, the covenant that he made with you as a redeemed and restored child of his, that he will bend his ear to those who are sincere in calling out to him. 
Remember we've talked about before, not the God that poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you need? Not the genie in a bottle, not the cosmic killjoy, but the one who called you by name, who calls you a child of his. And so as we continue in verses in verse five here, David's reminiscing about the good old days. As I get older, I think about the times in the past, like remembering just certain things, like the whole TV thing that it literally went to this stuff, or even like how phones actually had cords to them and how my brother would, he bought, he personally bought a 20 foot cord so he could run it to the bedroom so he could talk to girls in high school. Or, or, or like old folks sometimes like me, like, oh man, it was better back then. Okay, maybe none of you, just me. Okay, or, or uh, I just uh, recently, Tina and I were at a workshop on, uh, and, and part of the workshop was on millennials and talked about how a millennial is, is someone who, think about this, they're post 9-11. I'm like, what? They've heard of 9-11, where some of us were alive to experience 9-11. Do you see what I'm saying? So here's what I'm saying. It's not that we look back and go, oh, things were better then. Uh, Like, I am so glad for the technology today. Trust me. But what I'm trying to get at is that David wasn't talking about, oh, man, it was better back then. No, what David's saying is like, God, I remember how good you were then. And too often we will focus so much on the now, and that's okay. But we get so focused on it that we forget the goodness of God and what he's done. Not believing that he'll do it again but he will do it again. If he did it before, he'll do it again. Psalm 77, 10 through 12 says, I remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder on all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. See, it's thinking back. Like we've said before, sometimes you gotta go back to move forward. God, were you, were you good when it was dark? God, did you bend your ear to me when I called out? Yeah. What makes you think he won't do it again? Because we've allowed the noise to be louder than the voice of our father. That's what's happened. Maybe for some of you, I know it's happened to me, but David looked back at what God had done. And what did it do for David? Here's what it did. It gave him a deeper desire for his father. And as a result, David has this posture of prayer. His desire for God brings him to a place of communion with his heavenly father where where he gets still and he pushes pause on his life. He says, I want you. I don't want the distractions. I don't want the noise. I just want you. We see in Job 11, 13, it says this. If you prepare your heart, you will stretch out your hands towards him. If you prepare your heart, you will stretch out your hands towards him. What was Job saying? You just got to do your part too. It's important that we do that. That's the whole point of Advent. Like we can sit here and go, yeah, that's the Christmas story, right? That Jesus thing. No, it's the one who came and he died. And by the power of God, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and he said, I will return one day. I'm going to come back for my people and my people and I will be a part of a new heaven and a new earth and they will rule and reign with me forever. And that's the gospel message, folks. It doesn't matter what dark place you're in. God's word tells us you just got to reach out. You got to reach out 
and go beyond the noise, go beyond the distraction. In your notes, here's the other thing that we see is that God always needs to be our first choice. God always needs to be our first choice. I know this is easy to say, but it's hard to do, isn't it? (laughs) It is. But listen to what what the psalmist writes in Psalm 63, 1. It says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my my flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Do you go to someone that you know will listen to you? Okay, none of you. All right, so I know when I do, I go to someone who listens, but you know what? I'm bad about this. Like sometimes when my wife's talking to me, I'll have my phone and I'm doing this. I'm really not paying attention. Or when, when we went through premarital counseling, the, I'll never, this is the one thing I remembered. The, literally, the only thing I remember in premarital counseling, and listen, this is not good advice, guys, okay? They said, listen, ladies, if your husband is watching television, you really shouldn't bother him. So I took that as, I can watch football all the time. I'm watching TV, babe. Watch it. T- That's like the home network, shopping network. I'm still watching, you know what I mean? Like, but you want someone who will listen. Your heavenly father will do that. He doesn't say, take a number. He doesn't say, listen, let me put you on hold. I'll send you an email. Somebody will reach out to you. When you know that God will listen to you, you will, you will allow him to be your go-to in your life. Is there's nothing wrong with going to other people because, listen, you want people in your life who have wisdom. You want people in your life who will speak the truth and love to you. That's what you need, but you need him first. Because if you don't know what he's saying to you and someone else is telling you nonsense, how are you going to know how to bounce it off? You're just not. So here's what we want to do. We want to make him our first priority because he's not going to make you make him your first priority. He's not going to do it. He's not going to force you to do anything that you don't want to do. I really believe that. But if, if you, according to his will and his way for your life, you're going to go. You're going to go. I need to know how to get through this holiday season. I am a mess. I need to know how this is going to get paid after the holidays are over. I need to know what's the wisest thing to do. Where do I need to say no in my life? Where do I need to say yes in my life? Does this make sense? And so when we go to him first, it is a byproduct of our deep desire for him. That's what it is. And so that's the importance here of going above the noise. Because if you believe that God will lend his ear to you, then how does this make you live above that noise? And so I want to I share three things with us this afternoon. The first is this, is that you'll have peace. You'll have peace. Matthew 1, 19 and 20, getting into the story of the arrival of Jesus, says this, and her husband Joseph, speaking of Mary, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, here's what has happened just to, to speed things up. Mary and Joseph were what's called betrothed to be married. So in, the, in a Jewish custom, they were together for one year. And then what would happen is the husband would go away to prepare a place for his bride. And then he would come back and then they would what called consummate the marriage. That means that they did their thing. That's literally started the family. And so... She gets pregnant, not by Joseph, but it says that he was a just man and he was willing to divorce her quietly because that culture, guilt and, uh, excuse me, shame and honor was the Jewish culture. Technically, 
They could have been removed from the community and in that day and time, literally stoned to death for what they had done. He says he was going to resolve to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David. Oh, look at there. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived from her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph, here's the deal. You're going to be Jesus's stepfather. You're not going to get to take credit in this, but you're going to raise him. You're going to show him the ways of God. You're going to show him how to make things with his hands. So don't give up so fast. That's what above the noise says, is that we can have peace in the midst of chaos. So not only do we have peace, but we can, the second is, is that we can live in hope. We can live in hope. Matthew 124 says, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Joseph realized that what was going to go down in about nine months was bigger than himself. I mean, imagine being a parent of the son of the living God. Well, we probably won't have to ground him. Probably won't have to get on to him. You know, the other kids, they're going to be a problem. You know, like, Jesus, stop walking on water. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? But, but what I'm trying to say is that Joseph understood the cause of the kingdom and redemption of humankind was greater than himself. He could have divorced her. He could have had her excommunicated from the community. But he said, I'm moving forward because there's something bigger than me about to happen. That's how we rise above the noise. That's how we have peace. That's how we live in hope is that we do what God has asked us to do, just to be still just to slow down, just to push pause in our lives. So we have peace, we live in hope, and the last is the word Selah. That's how verse six ended, Selah. Now, it's believed that this word can mean to stop and think or to stop and pray. This is the whole point of our series in December of Above the Noise, because many of us, including myself, have so much noise drowning out the voice of God in our lives. And we go about our day just doing our thing, going about our day, checking off our list. And we miss out on what he has to say to us. And oftentimes we're too busy to pause and to think and to pray. Have you ever just gotten quiet for five seconds? It drives me nuts. It really does. Or being in a group of people and asking, I remember just this uh, past Friday being at the leadership mentoring at the high school. And I asked a question and I just put my head down. And literally, it felt like hours waiting for them to answer. So just think about that when you're alone. Think about that when you want to stop and think about all that God has done, what he wants to say to you, what he wants to do in your life, how he wants you to participate in his redemptive work on earth. Let that be uncomfortable for you. (laughs) To be quiet just for a moment. And when we think of the word Selah, I want to read Matthew one twenty one. This is when the angel was speaking to Joseph. And it says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. I think that's the moment where Joseph had peace. I know he's sleeping, but just go with me for a minute. And that's where I really believe that he settled in his heart that he knew what was the right thing to do. 
And I believe that's where he, it gave him hope. Because think about his future bride, already pregnant, and for the next nine months, he had to defend her honor. But he already knew in his, in his heart and in his mind that he had that peace and he lived in that hope. And he knew that he was doing something greater than himself. And we know the story. We're going we're gonna to talk about it over the next few weeks. But there was a baby that was born. But I truly believe that you and I can begin to stop and think. Some of us need to reevaluate our lives. Some of us may need to go, all right, where do I need to pause in my life? Where am I trying to give myself the right answers when I know that <laughs> they're not even close to being right? But this is, this is how I want to challenge us as we close out this afternoon. I want to challenge you to take Matthew one twenty one every day. And if you're not sure, like if you don't have a Bible or whatever, it's called Version. It's an app that you can get at the Android store or the Apple store and download Version and search Matthew 121. And what I'd like for us to do, I'm going to do it as well, that each day just read that verse. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And I want for you to stop. I want you to think. And I want you to pray about the noise that keeps you from understanding what Jesus came to do for you. Every day. Because the whole point of the story of Christ coming, the story of Christmas is something that's very familiar to us, isn't it? His words will not change in a very changing world. Once the year ends and then the new year begins, we go back to our stuff, don't we? Because, you know, a lot of times some, some folks are a little bit nicer during the holidays and then, you know, happy new year, let bygones be bygones, blah, blah, blah. And then we go right back. And that's the only time we'll take a pause. And so take some self-care this week and stop, think, and pray about the one who came to give his life for you. Because this is a throughout your life thing, not just a seasonal thing. And don't miss out on rising above the noise in your life to hear the voice of the one who will listen to you, who will speak to you, who will give you rest among the distractions that bide for your attention. Selah. He will lend his ear. Let's go to prayer. Jesus, thank you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come too. Jesus, thank you for your word today. Um, thank you, God, that you tie all this together. It's so beautiful to know, God, that, uh, you know, when we, we can kind of, you know, him and Hall and be like, well.